Hi guys, welcome back to Psyched Combos on Psychology, Relationships, and Personal Growth. I'm Nicole. And I'm Laura. And today we're going to be talking about codependency. Before we get started today, we just wanted to touch on um, a few things that we have going on. So um, when this episode comes out, we have one more week left before our self-esteem program begins. So that deadline is going to be June 15th. That's when the program starts. So if you are interested in working with us for three months on growing, developing, and really working on your self-esteem, this program is perfect for you. Um, We already have some people in the program um, really excited about it. And we would love to get as many people as possible who are interested in joining to join that. So there is still time uh, to register and join that program. You can find all the information for that in the show notes. Um, It's again, once again, 12 weeks long where it's going to be doing, including group calls with us. And we're going to be giving you some journal prompts and videos and um, modules to work through all this self-esteem stuff. So uh, we're really excited about it. And we know that it's going to be super helpful and beneficial to everyone who joins. So um, if you have any questions about that, you can also book a call with us. Um, Otherwise, all the information is in the show notes to uh, find out more about that. And yeah, we'll go ahead and dive right into the episode. So today we are talking about codependency. So last week we touched on narcissism and so we figured it would be um, a nice segue right into uh, codependency for the next week. So Um, Like we kind of mentioned last week, or I think we've probably even mentioned on a few episodes before, that narcissism and codependency are basically two sides of the same coin. So they kind of stem from similar roots, but um, they manifest themselves in these two very opposite ways. Yeah, a lot of times, uh, yeah, narcissism and codependent uh, people will come together and it's sort of like they feed off of each other's uh, struggles or so they, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's not necessarily, it's not a healthy relationship, but they still are drawn to each other because of what both bring to the relationship. So, um, I kind of, I guess is able to both feed their, their beliefs, I guess, about relationships and people. So kind of helps and their needs, Mm -hmm. their emotional needs. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll quick touch on some misconceptions of codependency first before we dive into really what it is and how to tell if you are in a codependent relationship. So the first misconception we have is people with codependency are weak. And again, I think this is a common one just because when you think of codependent, you think of someone who's always putting others first or not really paying attention to their own needs, really only paying attention to what others need before themselves. Right. And maybe just maybe being more meek, let's say sometimes Mm -hmm. more meek in behavior. Um, You know, I think that's maybe the typical stereotype. Like they really are, uh, you know, maybe super, super nice and never uh, standing up for themselves and that kind of thing. They don't want to rock the boat, step on anyone's toes that type of thing, which doesn't mean that they are weak. Um, It does mean that they are not great communicators, (laughs) Right. Um, Right. but it doesn't have to do with weakness. And they don't, they don't always have to be kind of appearing meek. I think Mm -hmm. that's sort of, you know, like kind of meek and maybe shyer and just always trying to accommodate that kind of thing. So it's not that specifically. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, the next misconception is that codependency just means clingy or needy. And uh, once again, this definitely is kind of something that appears, I guess, from the outside that that's true because uh, it, they do rely on, uh, they feed their, their like well-being and um, self-esteem does come from another person, um, but it doesn't mean clingy or needy. Right. It doesn't mean that someone uh, always needs you to be there. That you know that uh, doesn't mean that you always need that person to be there. Um, if you're the codependent, um, you know, I think clingy and needy probably refer more to somebody who is dependent, mm -hmm. not codependent. So dependent would mean they need uh, all this uh, support showing constantly from somebody that would probably be more of a dependent, but the codependent isn't necessarily um, typically, you know, presenting that, the clingy, clinginess and neediness. Right, exactly. Um, and then the last misconception we have is codependency only occurs in alcoholic or abusive households. And um, I think this was, is a misconception because that's sort of where codependency maybe got its start or first became acknowledged or recognized, but it, exactly. yeah, but it can be, um, it definitely is not um, solely in these types of households. Right, right. Um, it can come from, uh, exactly, it can come from uh, different types of households. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, so it doesn't have to necessarily just be alcoholic or abusive. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so yeah, so those are the misconceptions. So now we'll go ahead and start talking more about some characteristics and what exactly is codependency. So um, I know you had a definition that you wanted to share. Yeah, yeah. So actually, um, the the term codependent um, was emerged in uh, 1979. That's kind of when it started to pick up and be um, understood and recognized. But um, I think uh, one of the, I guess, hallmark books about codependency uh, has, is from Melody Beattie. It's called Codependent No More. And I like her definition. Um, and her definition is, a codependent person is one who has let another person's behavior affect him or her and who is obsessed with controlling that person's behavior. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of uh, a, a wide range, but I think it kind of hits, hits home. Yeah, exactly. And um, I've also heard it referred to as it's characterized by a person belonging to a dysfunctional one-sided relationship where that one person relies on the other for meeting almost all of their emotional and self-esteem needs. And that is similar, you know, is slightly different, but um, right. kind of goes along with what you said as well. Right, right. Yeah, so it basically seems like they just completely rely on this other person and they enable this behavior as well. So um, whatever the other person in the relationship does, whether that's it's more likely going to be destructive or addictive or irresponsible behavior, and the codependent in the relationship continues to enable this person to maintain these destructive behaviors. Right. And they, they do that because they're, I, I mean, the way they enable it is because they take on the responsibility. They take on, um, take, uh, doing things for that, uh, 
for the um, person who has the addiction or, or the whatever issue they, they have, the codependent will basically do all the things that really the other person should be doing for themselves. And so they enabled them. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So typically a codependent in the relationship is someone who's the one who's making the sacrifices. Um, they're spending all of their energy on their partner's needs instead of focusing on themselves. Um, mm-hmm. And like we said, it does stem from that. That's kind of where it started. So it, the typical stereotype, I guess, is the alcoholic husband with the codependent wife. Um but it can expand far beyond those types of situations. Um, I was wondering if you could speak to more of a few of the types of situations that um, it plays into beyond, so like, I guess some examples of relationships that beyond alcoholic and abusive relationships. Yeah, so some other types of family background that um, could cause you to develop codependence uh, would be, so not necessarily, uh, being a child of an alcoholic, um, but also when um, there's been emotional or mentally disturbed people in your family, usually one of the parents, um, maybe one parent is chronically ill. It can also stem from being in a family where the parents um, uh, have children with behavior problems. Um, also people who are, who are in relationships with irresponsible people. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times uh, professionals who are um, care, kind of a care, in a caretaker role will develop codependency. So um, people like who are nurses, social workers. Um, so all of those helping occupations uh-huh. would possibly can lead to forming a codependent type of um, behavior. Okay. But would you say it mostly stems from childhood? Yeah. I think the, ten- well, I think the tendency to go into one of those professions sometimes no. stems from <laughs> having been in that caretaker role in, as see. they were young. Um, but yeah, typically I think the, cap- the capacity to develop codependent behaviors stems from what you've experienced in childhood. Got it. But yeah, we'll go ahead and talk more about a few more of the traits of codependence. So a key trait here is low self-esteem and kind of how we touched on earlier. That's also where that narcissism root stems from as well. So that's where it kind of starts this low self-esteem and then either develops into the codependent or the narcissist. And you know, with that, it's when you develop one direction or another, It that would be um, based on more like genetics and possibly depending on which parent or which caretaker you most uh, feel um, similar to. Mm-hmm. So if if you have parents where one's a narcissist and one's a codependent, but you favor or lean toward or uh, identify more with one or the other, you'll probably go in that, that direction. Yeah. forming maybe more narcissistic tendencies um, or, you know, that kind of thing uh, rather than codependent. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um, some other traits are people pleasing that obviously I think kind of um, goes without saying. <laughs> um, right. Uh, inability to create strong boundaries. So 
uh, that's again, they're putting all those other people's needs before their own, um, right. Reacting and taking others words more personally. So instead of acting intentionally, they're more just reacting to situations and others words affect them a lot more and they absorb them and take them in as, as, um, and it really hits their core, I guess, of who they really are. And they, they really care about others' opinions and what others think of them. They, you know, when you say react, um, they react personally, I think they take everything more as a crisis. And Mm -hmm. so, um, so they react very strongly rather than intentionally because Mm -hmm. they're sort of in this, um, they're in survival mode. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's what's that, what causes that uh, overreaction, let's say. Yes. And I think it also probably has to stem from their lack of control potentially. Right. So it's kind of like they, yeah. that that's where they have to feel like they're in survival mode. Like they don't have any control over things. So they just have to like live um, and survive and they can't really have too much control over what's going on. So they have to be, end up reacting to things. Yeah. See when they're, when, children, when you're young, you're very dependent on your parents. Um, If one of them had these struggles and it was unpredictable whether you were able to um, get your needs met, like dinner on the table, or, you know, if that parent didn't go to work, then you, they didn't get paid and you didn't have money for bills, you know? Um, So you end up um, being, more uh, in that survival mode, always trying to make sure that everything's going okay. So then uh, anything is a crisis because it's all related to you being able to survive and you take that into your, into your adulthood life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, A few more here. So again, putting everyone before themselves, that's kind of where that caretaking comes in. And we already touched on that. Um, Mm -hmm. another thing is that they can be controlling. And I think, again, that goes back to kind of what we just talked about. So because they feel this lack of control, they have to attempt to control the things around them that are actually not in their control. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think it stems from survival. So like if they really needed that, you know, that parent to do what they needed to do for their for them to survive they could have developed a controlling type of behavior to ensure that survival so maybe coming down really harshly or really um you know whoever they're in a relationship now as a codependent being very controlling to make sure that that person they're in a relationship with is doing what they're supposed to be doing so yeah it can definitely have that um have that part of the traits of being codependent. Yeah. And then another uh, trait is ineffective or uh, dysfunctional communication. So like we said, since they're putting everyone else's needs before their own, they have a really hard time expressing their own needs. So they're not effective at coming across what they need, what they want, how they're feeling um, in, in any given situation. Yeah, they might not even know what they're feeling because they've had to put those, Mm -hmm. they've had to put those aside. Um, Again, uh, forcing them to really not develop emotionally maturely because they've had to deny focusing on that. And that's what we're supposed to be doing growing up is Mm -hmm. figuring out our own self. But if it's uh, taken, if that opportunity is taken away by having to care 
for or work to avoid even sometimes um, uh, caretakers that have been maybe, let's say, abusive, then they are, you basically stunt your emotional growth. So you're not even aware then of what your emotions are. Um, yeah. yeah. So then you can't effectively communicate what's going on. What, what do you need? Right. Um, and then another trait is fear of rejection. So since you're placing so much um, of your self-esteem and self-worth on this other person, there is a large fear of rejection. If that person, mm -hmm. you know, thinks whatever, you know, says you're doing something wrong. Uh, and since you've placed all of your worth and value and esteem on that, um, right. Huge fear of rejection there. Again, another survival um, instinct, because if you were rejected as a child, then that means that you weren't going to be taken care of. So, so that fear becomes so strong. And then again, you continue that. It's a habit now. You continue that into your relationships as an adult. Right. Um, and then denial. So also blaming others, pointing the fingers on others, playing the victim is a big um, key trait here that happens. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, if you want to speak to that more. Yeah, I think when they need kind of this external um, validation um, that they're, you know, they, they get their self-esteem from this external validation. And so, and they want to say how they're um, doing all the things, you know, giving so much of themselves. And, um, and if people don't appreciate that, wanting to blame others. So it's all wrapped up in trying to get that um, feeling of self-worth from other, from the outside. Mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess, again, this goes without saying, but uh, trouble in relationships is another trait, <laughs> but obviously you can kind of see that that is the trend with all of these. Right. Traits. Well, and I think that's, we tend to then attract people that will, um, you know, on the opposite side of the coin. So if you're more codependent, uh, you have more codependent behaviors, you'll attract someone who will um, feed off of those behaviors because, and that's typically a narcissist or, um, you know, uh, an alcoholic or substance abuser, emotional abuser, all of those because they all um, take in relationships and and here you are ready to give and so but they feed off of that and that's how they get their self-esteem so they take 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 and they basically drain you mm -hmm. yeah, yeah exactly so um, even though I know we just talked on uh, talked about the traits of codependency we're gonna also talk about how to really tell if you are in a codependent relationship currently and so um, again I think really the person who's gonna become aware of it first or the most most likely is going to be the codependent person in the relationship um, because like we've touched on in our earlier episode narcissists aren't really going to take that time and aren't really ever going to look at themselves to see what's going on they're not really going to i guess even be aware of right. that type of relationship or that there's even really something wrong because they're so like wrapped up in their own world and themselves right they're um yeah they um focus well, they focus outward in terms of blame and um, wanting to say that it's everybody else's fault if they're not um, happy. But 
uh, so they won't look at themselves, but a codependent will feel more of the pain, will feel in, in that sense more of a, a victim, will feel like, you know, they do everything and nothing they do is good enough. And, you know, so they're more in pain. And so they're, they're going to probably recognize it sooner because they're not going to be able to tolerate, you know, once it gets certain past a certain level, they're going to say enough is enough. Yeah, exactly. Cause they, yeah, exactly. They're the ones giving so much. They're the ones getting depleted. Right. So they're the ones who are feeling the effects of the relationship more. Right. Right. Um, so some signs are, they codependents share the responsibility for the unhealthy behavior um, in the relationship primarily by focusing their lives really on this on the person who is displaying the bad behavior who is maybe the narcissist um, and by placing their own self-esteem and well-being on the behavior or well-being of this unhealthy person yeah so they'll make their whole life about really focusing on how do they help this person or what are, what are they doing or how can they change what they're doing or how can they just reinforce and help this person uh, be better, do better, all that. But in the, in the midst of that, they're totally neglecting themselves. They're not even, and so again, uh, re, um, reinforcing the fact that they didn't do that in their childhood either. Their focus is outward. Um, and how, and then their self-esteem comes from helping people, um, their well-being. That's their, that's like their identity. Mm -hmm. But if you take that away, they don't have anything inside that helps them feel like they have an identity. Yeah. So it's always related on, on how they're, they're uh, taking care of the other person. Right. And um, this, I, this is sort of a question I have. So, so because the codependent is placing so much of their, they're giving and they're giving and they're, you know, placing so much of their worth on the behavior of the other person, but this other person is so focused outwardly and blaming others that their behavior never gets better. And then that codependent then um, takes that in as they did, didn't fulfill what they were right. supposed to do. Right, which then uh, uh, I think switches to shame. Then the codependent doesn't feel good about themselves, and you know, there, there again, there's that vicious circle. It yeah. then um, creates a, a feeling of low self-esteem and shame, and and you know, and guilt and all that. So, right. and because and they have they this, like, yeah, go ahead. Well, then they try to do even more, you know, try to prove their point more, try to help that person more. But the more they do that, and then the less um, appreciation, the less recognition they get, then that reinforces, again, that low self-esteem and, and all that. And also the victim mentality, that right. they are constantly giving, 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 but never get anything in return. Right. And of course, that, that's why they choose those partners that uh, reinforce that belief about themselves. Because obviously, the person who's more the narcissist or the alcoholic or whatever, um, they're probably looking at the codependent saying, why you're not doing enough to help me, kind of. And almost putting the blame, since they're putting the blame on other people, since this codependent right. is the person that they are in the relationship with, they're blaming their own behavior on this codependent, and the codependent then takes that in a lot more. Well, and also, too, making the codependent, if they would actually take steps to take care of themselves, making the narcissist or alcoholic or whoever, uh, making them feel guilty for 
thinking of themselves, mm-hmm. almost saying, oh, to the codependent, they're being selfish or not recognizing how much the narcissist or, or alcoholic needs them, you know, so they guilt them into um, continuing in that pattern. Right, exactly. Um, another example that you can, that I can think of is um, the, a codependent is sort of like a martyr. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, if you want to, do you want to touch on if people don't know what a martyr is? Um, yeah. So a lot of times you, people, you might hear refer that, um, re- refer to someone that's a martyr. Um, basically when you disapprove of the fact that they, they're pretending to suffer, it almost feels like they're exaggerating their suffering in order to get sympathy or like praise, like, Oh, how wonderful a person you are. You put up with so much and, uh, you know, I could never do that. So they, they gain this feeling of, you know, they feel a sense of self-worth when they get this response from other people. But, um, people will call if they if people recognize this as sort of a false and exaggeration they'll refer to that person as a martyr yeah it also it kind of reminds me of um munchausen's by proxy as well so i assume someone who has that is probably a codependent uh yeah i mean i, I you know some of these things all together they really do kind of overlap yeah. and <laughs> definitely i mean munchausen's by proxy, which, um, uh, it, it definitely is, uh, somebody who, you know, needs to feel needed and feeds um, off of that praise from an attention from other people. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's more extreme version, obviously of a martyr, but <laughs> yeah, that could, yeah, well, it's, you know, everything is all on a continuum. Of course, right. there's definitely better and worse, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So another few ways that you can tell if you are in a codependent relationship is if you are the one always making this again, if if you are the codependent in the relationship, um, if you find yourself making extreme sacrifices to satisfy your partner, if you Mm -hmm. really have an inability to say no to your partner um, and covering up and making excuses for your partner's behavior, I think is a really key big one too. um, Yeah. Because you're taking responsibility for their behavior. Right. Not maybe not wanting to um, share, you know, you're, you kind of cover up, like say you have a family gathering and your partner doesn't come or, and you, you know, maybe it's because they had a, went on a drinking bender or whatever, mm-hmm. but you're covering up for that. So you're not wanting to share, you recognize that you're trying to keep kind of this false image right. or facade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that kind of goes along with worrying about the opinions of other people, especially over your own. Um, so like, I think we touched on that a little bit earlier too, that you care so much about other people before yourself. What they think. Yeah. What they think rather than just be authentic to what's, to who you are. Exactly. Yeah. And um, another trait or um, sign that you are in that type of relationship is you'd rather not speak up and um, stand up for yourself to avoid arguments, even though it's something that you feel is not justified or not right, you'd rather keep quiet about it. Right. And I think part of that is too, is that it, because when you are with somebody like a, a alcoholic or narcissist, it is very exhausting and, and draining um, to argue because there's usually a, a power 
power struggle in the argument. And if you're not understanding really what's going on, the codependent person will probably never, never win because the other side is so good at being able to argue their point. Um, so, so it becomes very exhausting and right. you, cause again, you're just so depleted. If you're the codependent, you get completely depleted cause you're giving, giving, giving. So you don't have the energy <laughs> to really stand up for an argument. So we also wanted to touch quickly on um, where it actually stems from. And I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, but um, really where it comes from for the most part is when you are growing up with an unreliable or unavailable parent. So you as a child end up having to take on the role of caretaker um, and or enabler. And so you're putting your parents' needs first while we're also repressing your own emotions and needs. And then this is that pattern that's going to get repeated into adulthood. Right, right. Yeah, so to re just reinforce what we um, talked about before. But yeah, you're basically... Um, having to be the parent mm -hmm. and so your needs are put aside and um and that's what you carry into your relationships um as you get older and you you develop that because again as a child your very survival depends on the parent or caretaker being able to take care of you so if they're not really doing what they're supposed to be doing then you develop this role for survival mm -hmm. um to caretake, you know, you caretake for that parent because that's how you're going to be able to survive. So it becomes very reinforced. It's a very, you do, it's so developed out of fear. And then that just sticks with you so much that again, that carries into your adult relationships. Right. Well, I can imagine it being very damaging because obviously when you're an adult and you're a parent, your job is to put the children first when those right. roles kind of don't add up or get reversed when you're a child, then you've never had that feeling or, or um, yeah, I guess you've never had that feeling of being taken care of. Right. And you've never been able to just be taken care of and feel felt, felt safe uh, because your parents are around and they're, you know, they're there. And so you've always really had to rely on yourself. Um, and that I'm assuming when you're a child is a lot of, a lot of pressure for a child to put on themselves, like you said, going into that survival mode. Having to right. That's not them. their job growing mm -hmm. up for children, you know. And sometimes you'll you'll hear people say, um, you know, be maybe referred to as they're they're so responsible, or you know, they've always been like the mom of the group kind of mm -hmm. thing. Um, a lot of times, that's because that person has been in such a role growing up mm -hmm. uh, or maybe wise beyond their years because they have you know this caretaker kind of um, role that they play right so exactly. I guess this is another more of a trait of codependence but since they are unable to ever really feel their own needs or express their own emotions and needs resentment tends to build up and so they can lash out um, probably mm -hmm. In an exaggerated form, I guess, compared to what the relationship call or what the uh, situation calls for. Right, right, because um, and that's then more the reactive rather rather than respond uh, in a mature way to a situation, and the um, so yeah, the so it's kind of more explosive. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and then again, this comes from this really low self-esteem aspect too. So um, codependents have that low self-esteem. So they're 
when we talk about low self-esteem, typically those people are uh, seeking external validation to feel good about themselves. And that's again, we're replacing all of that. Um, like when growing up, you're placing all of that on your parents, I guess, um, approval of you. Right. Like that. Right, because that's how you could get validation from your parents by doing those things for them. Um, it they they weren't able to instill in you internally that sense of um, self worth. Right. So you you got that only if you were able to take care of them. Right. Yeah. So that's Makes where sense. you look for it then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So if you are finding yourself to be more code codependent and to be maybe in a codependent relationship. Um, Now we're going to talk about what you can do about that. So once again, the first thing is awareness. So we always talk about this, but once again, you can't work on anything or fix anything if you're not aware of the problem. So awareness is key. And like we said, codependents usually are the one who start to notice things are off in the relationship first. Um, But I guess you don't have to just necessarily no, I mean, I get, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I guess it would come out mostly in a romantic relationship, but obviously that parent-child relationship, it can come out in as well, even with friends though, too, like you said, like the mom of the group. Um, right. So you can notice this even when you're not in a romantic relationship, you can notice this within yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so what the, what we can start doing is thinking back to childhood and patterns with your caregivers to just kind of get um, clear about where those, are, where those um, feelings of codependency are coming from, where that developed from, and then getting in touch with those feelings of hurt and loss and anger, then you can um, begin to reconstruct more appropriate relationship dynamics. Yeah, see, it's important to get in touch with the feelings of the hurt, the loss, the anger, because again, as a, you know, a child in this situation, you push your needs, your feelings aside. Mm -hmm. And so really what you're doing is then minimizing that hurt, that loss, that those feelings of anger, uh, which sends the message again that you're don't, you don't have worth your thoughts, your feelings, your feelings of hurt and loss are not that important. So that's a, that's like a really important part. You really have to acknowledge that. Yes, this was hurtful. That this is a huge loss. I lost my childhood to this, um, and anger, anger toward people, even if you love them, Mm-hmm. Anger is okay. I mean, we can love someone and feel a huge amount of anger toward them. I think yeah. we all recognize that. <laughs> um, but um, you know, but just because you're just because they're your parent or main caregiver, um, doesn't mean you can't be angry with them right. and still love them. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah and so, um, other things that you should do if you find yourself to be codependent, definitely therapy. Um, that can really help with getting in touch with these feelings, like we said, and really help you to establish more healthy um, relationship dynamics in the future. Um, Mm -hmm. Another big thing is we do want to develop self-esteem. So really learning how to improve and grow your self-esteem and feeling good about yourself, because then you're not going to accept that type of behavior from others. And you are going to begin to put yourself first and not give so much to others. Right. Right. Um, And again, so developing self-esteem, which would mean an internal uh, source of feelings of self-worth and self-love rather than 
um, getting it from the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's the focus. Yeah. Right. And then really acknowledging your own needs, feelings, and wants. Again, that kind of get, goes back to getting in touch with those feelings, but then um, not only getting in touch, but acknowledging them and being able to begin effectively communicating them to others. Right. Yeah. To get your needs met. And, um, and if you can't get it from others, how can you give it to yourself? I mean, that's a big thing. And that's not something that's, um, let's say selfish. I mean, it's, it's very, it's, it's self-care. It's what you need to be healthy emotionally and mentally. Yeah. And then like, we always like, I don't know, maybe we don't always say this, but, um, like, I feel like I always say, um, when you, are, when you when you take care of yourself first and put yourself first, then you have more to give to others. Right, right. You could be a better person for others. Right. Um, also, and I think that's um, you know setting appropriate boundaries too, mm-hmm. because we can only do uh, if we don't set appropriate boundaries. That that's the enabling part. We then um, maybe we do more than we should. We don't say no at certain times when we should be saying no. And then we're depleting ourselves. So then we actually, yeah, then we, then we don't have the capacity to be our best self um, for whoever we have in our lives. Yes, exactly. And another thing that we can really focus on is learning to bring our focus to what we can control. Um, Because with the codependence, you're putting so much of your focus and, and worry. And, um, like we said, trying to control the other person. Um, so when we can really just shift that focus onto what we actually can control and detach from involvement with that other person. One of my favorite, um, things is the serenity prayer. Um, and, uh, I mean, you don't have to, if you believe in putting the word in God, that's fine, but it can go just as, as is. So grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know, to know the difference. I think it's so important. I think we, you know, when you are, uh, do have codependent behaviors, you keep trying to focus on things that you cannot control because we can't control another person's, uh, behavior. We may have an influence, but we cannot control it. So we really need to bring ourselves back to what we can control. Um, and part of that too is recognizing in order to manage that um, is to find um, find a way to detach. That doesn't mean we don't care about them, but it just, it means that we, um, we are detaching from the agony of the involvement with them. So we can still care about that person, but when we become involved with the agony and the ups and downs of their struggle, um, then that's the, the harmful part. So it's sort of like saying love from afar, maybe yeah. love from afar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. And um, when you begin to do all of these things, you may find that your current relationship is truly unhealthy and that your partner um, is not someone who you can really be with anymore and actually continue to grow and develop into someone who is less codependent. And so um, when you begin to put your happiness first, you may find that leaving that relationship, if it is the romantic relationship that that's the causing the more um, codependent type relationship that you have, then you may have to leave that relationship um, 
if it's with a family member, that is again, something that you just have to become aware of and try to, I guess, um, set limits on how often you see them, you know, try to live at the time that you see the person who you have that relationship with. Um, if they cannot really be understanding of you growing and, um, working on yourself. Right. Right. Um, yeah, so sometimes we do have to, we do see that person if it's a, if it's a family member type of thing, uh, or somehow, or maybe you know because you have children with this person, so they're going to be still in your life in some way. But we can always look at how we can uh, set limits on the how much how many times we do have to see them, how long that time time is. Um, so that's important and. Again, I just reiterating that just because even if we cut ties with them, um, that's something we may have to do, but right. that doesn't mean we don't love them. It doesn't, we don't have to have a relationship if it hurts us, mm -hmm. but it also doesn't mean that we, uh, if we don't have a relationship, it doesn't mean that we don't love them. Right. So, yeah. Yes. I think that's an important um, thing to note. <laughs> Yeah, 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 because I think people get hung up on that, you know, but I care right. about this person, I need to help this person. But if, you know, it's if it's past your control, then the only thing you're doing is hurting yourself, you're not doing any favors for that person. And so at that point, you have to realize that you have to let go. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, do you have anything else to add on this topic? I think I think we covered covered it. <laughs> yes, I think so. So, yeah, we really um, enjoyed talking about both narcissism, narcissism and codependency. Um, I think they're really um, important, and um, we love bringing awareness to these types of topics. I think it can be super helpful to a lot of people who are in these types of relationships. Um, if you have any questions for us regarding either of these topics that we you don't think maybe we answered, definitely feel free to reach out to us. You can reach out to uh, hello at psychedcombos.com. That's our email or just directly DM us on Instagram or at psychedcombos. Um, and yeah, once again, we uh, are offering our self-esteem program that is starting on June 15th. So if that is something that you are interested in, interested in if you know that you want to learn how to grow, develop, and maintain healthy self-esteem, um, that's something that you should check out. Again, everything for that is in the show notes. Um, yeah, we really think that we started this program and we created this program because we know how much um, self-esteem it affects every part of life. And I'm sure by the, our episodes, if you listen to multiple, that we usually touch on it at some point in every episode, just because it does affect so many different aspects of life. And so that's why we created this program because we know the value of having healthy self-esteem and healthy self-worth. Um, so definitely go ahead and check those out. We, um, the deadline to join one of those programs is June 14th. So um, the cart to that program closes at midnight on June 14th. So we would love to see uh, you guys check that out and ask us any questions about it. You can also book a call with us if you are unsure about joining the program or want to talk to us more about it. We are available for that. So yeah, otherwise I think we are good and we will talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.